good morning. It is the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 59 to the Fan. Good morning. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Hey, and just like, hey, the bare naked ladies would love to be associated with the Toronto Maple Leafs mm. and creating the new goal song because that lives forever. Yeah. I would like to be associated with a new colloquialism. Okay. I would love for Good Morning to take off and for me to be the genesis of that. And I feel like we're, we're getting somewhere. I would love nothing more than uh, in the year, I don't know, 3000, if Wikipedia. In the year 3000. Yeah, if Wikipedia is still a thing. For somebody to be, hey, why do we, like, I've done this with mm-hmm. idioms of, oh, why do we say X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z? Why do people weirdly say good morning at mm-hmm. the end of conversations yeah. now? I would love nothing more than to see the, I think it's like a purple link when there's not a page for you of like, <laughs> right. Ben Ennis invented this. And it's like, who's Ben Ennis? It's like, oh. there's a lot of them. Uh, but not you. I don't know. Maybe you are on Wiki. I feel like that's no, what you're going to look no, right now. I w- okay, well, I, last I checked, and this has been a big thing for me, that oh. my high school has notable alumni. Oh, you want on there? I'm, I'm so desperate. Like, it's sad. Like, I, I, if I probably just eased off the gas pedal a little bit, maybe would it would aid in my chances. I'm pulling up my high school's notable alumni. No chance I'm on there, obviously. But Do you I have just, notable alumni from I, your I, high I school? Feel, well, we had, like, there's a girl who ran track there that, like, went to the Olympics. She's, yeah. play, she's performed there a That's couple of times. Reasonable. I feel like we had some NHL players, like, back in the day. Okay. Back in the day. But, uh, yeah, off the top of my head, cannot think of them. Other We've, than that Olympian, Carolyn Muir. I'll drop her name oh, there. Oh, okay. Shout well, out to her. No, my high school has James Hinchcliffe. It has the great Jamie Campbell. It's pretty good. Chris Christie, like there. Uh, uh, yeah, the Steve Christie. Sorry, Bob uh, Palford. That's that's our uh, claim to fame. Ooh. Former NHLer. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still think you could. I mean. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Host? No, I need on. Okay. Now this person did it for a long time uh, because I'm just seeing their death, and it was a long time after they were born. But a guy who was a movie reviewer for TVO Ontario's on there. So I think I need, <laughs> oh, that's, I think I need that's on. Not, that's, that's rude. Well, no, it's, I'm not saying better. I'm saying if I have the, a run of this yeah. on par is all I'm saying. And Hey, jury's out. Oh, may not be a long run. You know what? I, I never realized no, this. So you're I, not on there. No, I'm not no, on okay. here. Okay. But I, I, I of course know Sam Gagne and John Tavares were, were Oakville buddies, and you know yeah. they, they played uh, hockey in in Sam's backyard. I've heard next to Ivanka Osmak's uh, <laughs> yard. Apparently, uh, Sam Gagne went to my high school, though that mm. that I didn't know. So yeah, there's there's some notable. But, like, was alumni. it a like went in name only? Yeah, it's like a high per, yeah. like you know it's like I'm going to go to the NHL. I'm putting right. I'll pass some tests. Yeah, let's call it. No, a day. high school was a thing I definitely did and took seriously. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us. Anyways, uh, not even, like, yeah, my name's not even there without, like, a blue link. I, I, how One about day. just, like, a, a mention? But, um, yeah. You know, we keep mm. it up I on also this. had a former Leaf goalie. I do, I do not know this name, but Ed Chadwick. Shout okay. out to that guy. I went to my high school. So I got, it's tough sledding for me. As All right. As well. well, people keep saying good morning as a sign-off. Uh, and then maybe, you know, my legend will grow, and eventually I can get on the Wikipedia for Oakville Trafalgar High School. Uh <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, Leafs back in action tomorrow uh, against the the, uh, Florida Panthers. We'll get to some Leafs stuff in just a second. Uh, The Leafs, of course, played eight preseason games because that's how the NHL does it. The Raptors preseason has been going on for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. They've only played three games. The three and zero now in the preseason, but that does was, that include the Australian team? It they play? does. Okay. So that's only they played twice. <laughs> 
against NBA opposition, once against the Sacramento Kings, and then yesterday against the, uh, against the Chicago Bulls. I think they have the Wizards on Friday. Friday's it. Like, that's the final preseason yep. game for them before they open up the season next Wednesday. 3-0, and Gunner. I don't know. Does that indicate to you anything? Are, are the Raptors back in a big way? Oh, this isn't quite the Ravens, uh, what was it, 24-game preseason right. win streak. It's not quite that, and this might shock you. I actually saw a second of that game last night. I flipped over after one of the Phillies bombs mm-hmm. and I saw some pushing and shoving and went, ooh. Yeah. Then I went back to baseball. So that's my that's my uh, my report from there. I don't think you can read anything into this. I think the thing you want to take out of this, and I'm sure you've been doing the same, a lot of people keeping tabs, is I'm just trying to get a feel for the feel of this team. What's the vibe? What's the mood? When you have a sea change and, you know, say what you will, it wasn't the one we wanted to have had had in terms of roster construction or whatever. But Nick Nurse had a lot of gravity on this team. He was the head coach. He won a chip. He had a lot of say so. And just bringing in a different guy. I think a lot of people are just kind of trying to suss out that. How does it feel? Does it feel different? Is it more of the same? So I think that's what people are kind of trying to take out of this. Yeah. And if you're looking for something in particular, as far as deployment is concerned, it is going 10 deep. Apparently with this team is uh, Darko Royakovich's number one modus operandi. He um, is not going to play Pascal Siakam 40 minutes a game. Maybe uh, this Raptors team has been notorious over the last couple of years for playing its best players into the freaking ground. Like, it's not that nobody's pointing at the Raptors with these new uh, uh, player rest rules is no. saying, hey, this is targeted at you. It's it's the, the Raptors who are, I guess, the golden child of the NBA, <laughs> the, the way they continue to play their stars. And 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 maybe that's going to be one of the most notable changes for, for Darko taking over. Yeah, Nick, Nick Nurse hated the championship season. He's the only guy. He's like, God, these guys never play. And after this, I'm getting my way forever. I'm running these guys into the earth. It really does feel that way. And honestly, with a team like the Raptors, who I don't want to over or I don't want to understate it. Like they have some solid players, Pascal Siakam, all NBA guy, OG Ananobi, all of this stuff. But I think that when you're still trying to figure out who a large, large part of your rotation is, and let's also be realistic about what the expectations are for this team this season. This is the time to do it. And I don't mean just preseason, but this is the time in your kind of window to figure out who all these guys are. Give Grady Dick some burn. Let's see what Malachi yeah. Flynn can do. All, all of that. So I think that's kind of, that. that's the other thing, and I just think it makes a lot of sense for Coach Darko, quite frankly. Yeah, um, yeah, you're still not saying right. No, I'm, I'm good okay. on that, Coach Darko. Okay, yeah. uh, no, Malachi Flynn is going to be the poster boy for it because it was it was not that Malachi Flynn is like some some missing piece that he's going to you know emerge as as the next Fred Van Vliet, um, despite actually being drafted in the first <laughs> round where Fred Van Vliet was not drafted. But yeah, there were moments last season where he did. Seemed like he was an an interesting piece and mm-hmm. and might have been worthy of being part of the rotation and and was not given a shot and it, and it does feel like in some of the veiled comments by Masai Ujiri and talking about the way his team was deployed and maybe some differences between he and the head coach that Malachi Flynn was the guy. It's like hey I I I, I kind of think there might be something there. Can can we figure it out at least like. This is not a champion, a team with a championship ceiling. So, yeah, while you want to win each and every game, it's kind of the, honestly, the Mike Babcock of it all where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Mike Babcock doesn't care what your your big long-term plans are or research and development. He's about winning the 60-minute hockey game each and every day. That was kind of the Nick Nurse deal where Darko, you know, he's only starting his his Raptors tenure now mm-hmm. and expects to be here half decade to a decade and, and be... 
around for the next wave of, of Toronto Raptors stars. That Yeah, there, there's more investment, I would say, in a young head coach making his, his NBA debut in Darko Ryakovich than there is a guy who's already been to the top of the mountain in Nick Nurse. So, yeah, Malachi Flynn feels like the guy that's going to embody that, but I, I can't what I can't shake, and we'll do a little bit more of a Raptors season preview as we get closer yep. to opening day next week, is that, like, what is the what is the ideal outcome for this team this season headed towards the trade deadline? Because, yeah, okay, I know the Raptors are the team that has been involved in every single NBA rumor headed towards the deadline the last two, three years, and rightly so, mm-hmm. and haven't really pulled the trigger on anything of significance. The most significant thing they've done is actually buying Jakob Pertl. Great trade. Uh, for a first-round pick, God. and they were better after acquiring him. But this is really where the rubber has to meet the road because, yeah, Pascal Siakam, OG, and Anobi are free agents at the end of the season. And what, the, the way they've handled the, the Pascal situation really does – leads you down the path of believing that that there's not a belief that he can be a core piece of this team going forward. And guys like that, you don't just wave goodbye at the end of the season. So what is the ideal scenario? That they're above 500, that they're in a playoff spot at the trade deadline? But even so, okay, so you're holding on to your pieces, you're adding more, and then re-signing everybody at the end of the year to, to big money contracts and paying into the luxury tax next year? Honestly, to me, the best case scenario is, okay, Pascal looks good individually. OG looks good individually. You're outside of the playoffs looking in, and, and Grady Dick looks mm-hmm. good, and, and Scotty Barnes looks good, and you can you can see a scenario where a return and trade from the, the, the letting go of those two guys sets you up for, for the next half decade to a decade. The way I look at this is it all goes back to the very ill-fated, and hey, I do kind of like the player, so I don't. I don't. I feel like I should probably throw that in here. Sometimes we talk about it, but the ill-fated Jakob Pertl trade. If you're going to be bad, you got to be bad, bad. Yeah. That pick is top six protected. Yeah. Now, I suppose some people will look at it and say, "Ah, the asset's already out the door. You should do what's best for your team." Hard disagree. If the move is to trade Pascal Siakam and OGN and OB and anything else that isn't nailed to the floor before the deadline. Don't let these guys have a good October through December where you get yourself into the 10 seed and then we have this conversation that we had last year. And I'm not even the guy who thought it was the worst thing in the world for this team at various iterations of it to get into the play of the tournament. But it doesn't mean a thing to get in there now. That is the problem, this fork at the road moment. And guess what? The problem is we have all seen this fork coming for a long, long time. And because Masai has shepherded this franchise so smartly through a lot of choppy waters, you say, okay, all right, he's got the plan. And now we're at the point where we could see, I guess it's not a fork in the road. I guess it's a waterfall. We're about to go over the edge mm. up and we can see it. And we're looking at Messiah going, okay, you, you see it too. He's like, don't worry guys. So yeah. much time still. And it really doesn't feel like there is. So that is, that's the part of this Raptor season where I think they have to thread the needle so thin is that if you're going to be bad, you can't afford to get off to a good yeah. start. You get a four, but if you don't get off to a good start, what does that do to the asset that is OG Ananobi? What does that do to the asset that is Pascal Siakam? And then the other part of this as well is you're going to need a motivated trade partner. You're going to need a team 
you know, whoever it is, one of these kind of middling four or five teams saying, all right, we got to push for more. Or it's the Sixers who say we got to blow it all up or, or it's not working because we have to make our hardened trade or whatever it is. That's the part of this that I, I don't like waiting to get to this point to have to make these trades. But here we are. The Pascal Siakam situation is not head scratching, but like indicative, I think, of how the organization views the player. And rightly so. The Pascal Siakam can be one of your best players on a championship team. You know how I know that? Because he was in, in 2019. But he can't Down be... the pecking order, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that's... But like down, down. Like he can't be a two. Could be a two B. I don't know. There were times there during were ta- 2019 there where were he was times. two, and then Kyle Lowry came out and scored the first six points or whatever it was yes. of game of game six in Oracle, and Kawhi obviously was the lead dog. Like mm-hmm. there is a he can on a given night mm-hmm. be your second best guy, but when you're building a team and putting it together, no. let's just say it's the Bucks, and I know it's a bad fit there, but they feel way better about Dame being the second mm-hmm. best guy than they do Giannis. There. Well, and, and the secondary thing is. Yeah, whether you you like the player or not, whether you believe that he is you know best player on a championship yeah. team ceiling, which I don't think anybody Nobody believes. Does. But the players of his ilk get the, their money, like For he's sure. And so the fact that we're we're headed into the final year of his contract, where he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024, and the Raptors have not re-upped him, he tells you think all you need to know about the the plans that this organization has for Pascal Siakam, he'll be gone. He's he's the number one um, body on the trade uh, block, I think, for this team as we head towards the deadline. How do they manage that if he gets off to a tremendous start? If this team does look real good, if they're in a playoff spot, like, I, I think it's a much easier sell if they're in the same spot that they were a season ago where, yeah, you, you mentioned the 10th seed. Mm-hmm. They have the same record as the Portland Trail Blazers at the trade deadline. The Blazers, you know, mm-hmm. they, they told Dame he was hurt. Um, which they might get in trouble for. Uh, and they, they tank all the way down into into a lottery position, ends up with Scoot Henderson. Like, that that worked out well for them. Mm-hmm. If the Raptors are in the same spot, I'd, yeah, the top six protected of it all with the not controlling your own first-round pick is is a, is a tougher sell. But, yeah, it's going to be tough for this team to, to wave goodbye to some, well, franchise players and very valuable key contributors if they're in, like, fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference. I don't envision a scenario where they're quite that high. I think they could be with a hot start and it all clicking, but I just think that with a new coach, I don't think it's all going to start out like roses, but I just think that given the players we talked about there, you are just going to find yourself in that mushy middle. And because it's, it's not lotto protected, it's top six. You have to be extremely bad to Mm -hmm. feel confident about that. And Hey, uh, you hear how I'm talking about the guy. Obviously, I think Pascal Siakam has some warts as a player. He is still a guy that if he is the best player on your team, the, he will buoy you to a decent record that will probably not have you be in that. And it's not just him alone. You know, say, OG Ananobi hurt all the time when he's healthy. Elite defender. Scotty Barnes, entirely possible he takes a leap. Now, I'm not saying this all to say that the Raptors are going to really surprise people this year. But I think that even their bad will be good enough to get them into that mushy middle. And again, it just goes back to the frustrating nature. Masai has always been a guy who uses his time, shows patience, shows patience. And I think part of him is saying, hey, I still have time to do this. We can still extend Siakam. I understand once season kicks in, we're past contract date, but there is time to do this later on in the year. But it is it is really, really confounding that they have put themselves in this very murky position. Yeah, it's a little murky. It's a little confusing. 
the the plan's not clearly defined. Um, but that kind of makes it interesting as well because how the hell are they going to get themselves out of this? Like, oh. you know who knows that? That I, I I think the front office is aware of the thing that we're all talking mm-hmm. about in the city of Toronto, looking at this Raptors team in 23-24. And not that they they planned it out to be yep. in this exact scenario. Sure, they they would have loved to have acquired Jakob Pertl and gone on an incredible run at the end of the season, won the play-in tournament game, mm-hmm. gave, gave somebody a run for their money in the postseason and looked like the the building blocks were there to be not a sustainable championship team, but some a, a team like they were in 2018 before acquiring Kawhi Leonard, a team that was a superstar away. Clearly, they didn't look like that at the end of last season. Uh, I find it hard to believe that with the same personnel, they're going to look like that. And you're just swapping out the head coach in, in 23, 24, but uh, we'll see. There, there, there is, there's a lot to be decided here in the first half of the season for the well, Raptors. And the, you know, the NBA maybe more so than, than any other league is kind of fostered on relationships. And, you know, I understand Pirtle's utility as a player. I understand the organization obviously is super familiar with them. They're comfortable with them. They know the player, but I do wonder how much of that was like, you know, we know they're buds. We know they're friends. We know they get along. I do wonder how much of that was, not an olive branch to Pascal, but trying to get the best possible version out of him to see if you can make it work. I'm not saying that that's what I would do. I have been on record. I will go on record again. Would not have traded for Jakob yeah. Pertle. Would have gone the other way. But I wonder if that's the thinking of why they tried to to kind of go about it that way. Again, he has other utilities. Yeah. There's other reasons. I don't think it'd be the sole one, well, but I don't think it's a non-factor either. It, it was a, an area of positional need as well. For sure. Uh, a five. I don't know. The... the the Raptors' relationship with Pascal Siakam is a weird one. Very. It, it's strange because, yeah, the, he has blossomed into an all-star mm-hmm. and a borderline all-NBA type yeah. player with them. But, they again, these guys don't go into their final years of their contract without extensions, which uh, Pascal Siakam appears to be about to do. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hold on. No, I'm not done. I have one, well, more, I have one more raps thing for okay. you. Okay. I was just thinking about this that, okay, so we just kind of laid it all out, but I was thinking about how odd it is that people feel this way about this team. And I don't disagree because I feel the exact same way. But if I told you, just don't think of the names, just think of these facts. There is a guy who has made an all NBA team in recent history on this team in Pascal Siakam. Okay. I guess I said the name. I said I wasn't going to. There is a guy who is constantly in all defensive team conversations. That's OG Ananobi. They got rid of the coach that even people who liked what he did were kind of sick of the act of the coach. And it was like, okay, it's time for a fresh start. And there is a player who is two, three years removed from being rookie of the year. And the vibes have never been worse with the team. Like it it really does show just how quickly that championship glow can melt away. And it's not just a slow erosion. It really feels like it was overnight. And maybe some of that's COVID. Maybe some of that's the bubble. But I was thinking about that. Just if I just lay out all those pieces to you, and I don't think the coach part of it is a small thing. I think a lot of people had tired of watching the team because they had tired of watching him, quite frankly. But it's just odd to me. And I don't disagree. I feel the same way as everybody does. But it's odd to me that that's the tenor surrounding this team right now. Well, it's 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 like one season, right? Because 21-22 was an overachievement. This was a a team that after the Tampa tank, not much was expected of. Um, And and they go on, rattle off a bunch of wins and end up giving a Sixers team a a run for their money in the postseason. But then the next season... shot. 
Yeah, the, the 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 next season uh, clearly take a step back, and it, I mean this this team is banking. You mentioned vibes; like it feels like a lot of what is going to decide the fate of this Raptors team, as far as ceiling is concerned, is stuff that's not necessarily quantifiable. Mm-hmm. And is that a head coach? Is that a full season with a with a guy that's uh, hand note orange slices? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it does I seem like a little bit of that. Like, it, and look, this is how organizations work. You have the disciplinarian, you have more of a player's coach. Like, it's a pendulum. It tends to swing back and forth, but it it is remarkable. I mean, he's thanking reporters for their questions. It is clear he is trying to be on the exact opposite side of things the nurse was on. Yeah, um, that's part of it. I mean, they're going to play a more team-oriented uh, team game. I mean, what did we hear from Masai after every single media availability? Selfish. And then, you know, to, reiterated specifically again before this season. Yeah, they, they played too much of a selfish brand of basketball. And Jakob Pertl, while he's not a perfect player, um, yeah, he can distribute the ball as well. One of the best um, passers out of that five position is, that were certainly available. It is funny just because I've been, I've been hearing, reading some of the stuff out of Philly and apparently – there's a lot of talk about they love the team offense that Nick Nurse is playing there. So I don't know what's what's happening. Maybe Doc Rivers was the most ISO-heavy guy in the world or they wanted more of that. But, yeah, it's just funny how here it's that was the thing that they're trying to get away from. And there in Philly, they're going, this is great. Ball's moving all over the place. Funny how things work. Yeah, for a team without a championship ceiling in the Raptors, there's there's a lot of unknowns uh, about this team as far as direction is concerned. And, and the first couple of months are going to tell us a lot. I think about where this team is headed in the immediate future. Uh, in the immediate future, the Toronto Maple Leafs will play the team that knocked them out of the postseason in five games tomorrow night in Florida uh, against the Panthers. Today, I guess the, the Leafs are maybe waking up, playing an early round of golf. How does that work? Like they probably uh, arrived yesterday. Did they play golf yesterday? I don't think they were on the ice yesterday. Like when does when is the round of golf? Taking place for the, the Leafs. Under the cloak of, of darkness. Not actually, they're not playing night golf, but uh, away from everyone's eyeballs in right. case the game does not go well uh, tomorrow. I don't know. I wonder, I wonder, like, do guys, do guys have the bug still? They're NHL players. They literally played golf also. Anybody who have, the, any of You're those right. guys who wanted to play golf, they're not like no, us going to Florida yeah. for a work trip where it's like, I could sneak in one more 25 degree round. Right. I think they're good. Well, not it's to also say, so early in exactly, the season that too, they're not right? dying for the break here. Yeah. yeah. This is actually a horrible time for the Florida trip. Really is. Yeah. For, for shame on you. <laughs> and it, back to complaining about the <laughs> NHL schedule. They're sending uh, them to Sweden in November and Florida now. Yeah. I should have flipped, for shame. flipped that one. No, there's no good time to send them to Sweden. They should never do that. Just so we're clear. Um, but yeah, they, they weren't on the ice yesterday. Uh, I imagine they're going to practice today, and, and we'll see how uh, that lineup looks uh, in the rematch against the team again that knocked them out in five games, ended up a, as the Eastern Conference representative in the Stanley Cup final. Um, let's have a look at the way after three games some of the preseason narratives are trending. Mm. And it's early days, I understand, but yeah, this is what we, we don't got. say that about this team. It's the other one normally. Normally it's like... Jays is early, but Leafs. No, actually, Leafs, this actually is early. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, we say it about the Jays, but it's actually physically early too. Yeah, sometimes it's the All Star break. And uh, it's like, yeah, it's early. It's not as early. All right, uh, let's 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 maybe start with the most obvious one. Hey, Austin Matthews is not a forty goal scorer. He's a guy that's closer to sixty goals, and like the wrist injury was yeah. probably impactful to the way he played a season ago. Uh, I would say that's a big. 
big fat check with yeah. like the biggest Sharpie that you own. Uh, you and you and Bunk once did a great Babcock's checklist and it was the spectacular when they did good. That's what I want to give uh, to that there. He has been full value. Even the game where he was held off the score sheet, it was far from his best effort, but he still had nine chances or nine shot attempts on, on goal. Him and Bedard are so far ahead he of had everyone nine else. shots on goal. I yeah. think he had or, sorry, 18 shot, shot yes. attempts. It is absurd the way he is putting pressure on, on goaltenders. Obviously the connection with him and Marner is great. Everything you could have asked for through well, I mean, I guess he was a bum and got held off the score sheet last game, but everything you could ask for through three games with him. Uh, you got another narrative check? Yeah, this one is uh, like a little lower down on the forward pecking order, but we spent so much time talking about it. We should probably check back in. Fraser minted experiment. I think that this is playing out kind of how a lot of people expected it to. Mm-hmm. First two games felt like everyone saying, I don't like this. This is not good. Felt like he got a little more of his legs underneath him in that in that Chicago game. But I think that this is just trending to exactly what Treliving hinted at, or not hinted, saying this is where it normally goes, of him going back to junior. Uh, I think he's kind of held his own, to your point that you you smartly brought up. They let him get the roadie under his belt because, yeah. boy, that would have been cruel to send him back to, not that Kamloops is a, is a bad place to go, but that would have been cruel to send him back there instead of on the bird. So, yeah, I think Minton is the other, is is another big kind of thing to check in on. Yeah, it feels like we, we got six more games maximum of, of- Fraser meant in the way he's performed, which is you're right. It's trending in the in in a better direction. Game three had a couple of great opportunities. Mm-hmm. It would be great to see him score his first NHL goal mm-hmm. before he departs back to to junior. But I I think you're right. This is playing out exactly the way we thought it would. And it's if he was needed to be the fourth line center, I could see a world where they say, okay, let's let's give this a touch more run. But if he's going to be on this team, it says a three C that makes an impact and can help Matthew Nyes be an offensive player. And it's not his fault, but he's mm-hmm. not doing that right now. All right, so those two are, are kind of playing according to Hoyle the way we anticipated. Okay, hold on, uh-huh. hear you say this all the time. Obviously, it comes from somewhere. What does this mean? Okay, Hoyle. Who's Hoyle? Hoyle was the guy that that um, figured out the correct strategy in blackjack, I believe. Okay. So smart guy. Yeah. Well, you should listen. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That's all I wanted to know. When you, you play blackjack Mm -hmm. the way you're supposed to, you're playing it according to Hoyle. Okay. There you go. And it's a card game. I think it's blackjack. Learned a new idiom today. See, shout out to that guy, but he has a Wikipedia page. I mean, I should probably know his first name, but, um, Al, the Al Hoyle, uh, the other narrative that I wondered about uh, going into the season, and we talked a little bit about it after the Chicago game on Monday, was Sheldon Keefe. Does he have a new leaf, a leash on mm. life, um, a new lease on life after being unshackled from from Kyle Dubas? Those two attached to the hip throughout their entire careers, going all the way back to the Sioux. He's finally his own man. Is this a different dude now with a, a contract extension? I think it's too early to say that he is. I mean, I, I did mention that he called out the top player specifically again after Monday's game, but tepid, right? And and, and I, I don't know. If you can make a straight line comparison to, to last year in the Arizona game, I, I guess I wouldn't fault you for doing that. I haven't seen too much that that indicates this is a different guy that was getting a different set of instructions under Kyle Dubas than he is under Brad Treliving. Yeah, I think that 
Keefe has always been someone who tinkers with the lines when you look at just ice time and the way players are deployed. I think that's the first thing to say if a coach has changed and it's only been three games, so hard to read into anything. But guess what? He was a tinker last year. He wants to tinker a little bit this year. It's already it's already happening. So I don't think anything's changed in that regard. And I don't think, yeah, was he a touch more pointed? Sure he was. But we haven't seen the game that calls for the different Sheldon Keefe. I don't want to, or I shouldn't say I don't want. I don't think that matters. A, our star players need to be better. Yep, you lost the game. Uh, none of them scored. So yeah, you probably do need your star players to, to be, or I guess Tavares scored. But uh, outside of him, nobody scored. You do need them to be better. It's the game where you just flat out do not show up. Mm-hmm. It is the game where, I don't know, maybe it's when they get back from this road trip and they have a great roadie and then all of a sudden they get back home and some team's been waiting for him here. That's when I think you want to see if there's a different Sheldon Keefe because I we talked about this earlier this week. I don't think it has to be when you were the guy that was already here and so much of the team has stayed consistent, you can't just be a different guy overnight. So even if he wants to change how he is a little bit, It has to be a bit of a slow melt to get there because you can't just have it be, all right, Kyle's not here. uh, He's not here to protect you anymore. I'm coming in and tearing a strip off you guys. That would ring a little hollow of, okay, who have I been talking to for the last three or four years then? So I think that if he's going to change, it's going to happen slowly. And I think the first time we'll really, really see it is after the truly despicable game, which, hey, I hope doesn't happen for a long time, but we know they're going to have one. Yeah, the truly despicable game, yeah, for sure. I will say that despite picking up victories in two of the three, this is not, it has not been Sheldon Keefe type hockey. This is a team that was top five in the NHL last year in allowing five on five goals against. This is a team that has allowed the second most five on five goals against, albeit again in short sample in three games this season. This is, this is not the way Sheldon Keefe would have drawn uh, would have preferred to draw it up. And it's a different look if they don't score a couple of six on five goals against the Montreal Canadiens and end up salvaging up point ends up being two. That's yeah, exactly it. It is trending in yeah. like if, if you get a similar type effort defensively mm-hmm. tomorrow, and then especially on Saturday against the lightning team that I think is a diminished version of itself. Yeah. I think like this is a, the big couple of games in, in Florida for this team. Yeah. It's the, I, I'm waiting for the no-show. There's a difference between a and night that is not good defensively and you're still you can you can stay, it's okay, systems aren't clicking, that's not the way we want to play. But there's a difference between that and no-shows. We've seen no-shows from the Leafs this year, and we've seen it or sorry, in years past. We've seen it in snippets this year. But yeah, the that is the thing I'm truly waiting for. It's just the first absolute dog of a game, a no-show, your stars are no good. What direction does he take? All right. One of the other uh, preseason narratives I was focused on was I, I thought for sure John Klingberg would be mm. the guy of the, the 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 one new addition to this team, one notable new addition. Like Noah Gregor, you, you don't get to no offense, Noah Gregor. Uh, but no you offense, don't Justin Bourne, he loves him. Yeah, and sure, he's he's shown some flashes, scored a goal, fast, uh, got in a fight. He's really fast and stuff. But uh, of uh, John Klingberg, Max Domi. And Tyler Bertuzzi, I I thought for sure that John Klingberg would would stand out as the guy that was the biggest head scratcher as far as offseason acquisition. And it hasn't been perfect for for Klingberg, but I think he's looked the part on power play one and some of the offensive skill set you can see, obviously, in the offensive zone. To me, it's been clear that Max Domi is the one guy that, yeah, not that you want to do over after three games, but you're you are wondering about the long-term future of the player. 
it's the fit with the rest of the forwards. It is not that you cannot see a world where Max Domi makes sense on this team. And I want to be so clear about this. No one's trying to run Mitch Marner out of town. But if Mitch Marner didn't exist and you only had Nylander as your kind of playmaking, play-driving wing, then I think you would need a Max Domi to be more of that guy, to push things offensively. Because we haven't seen it yet, but he is capable of that. He's a gifted passer. He no- He understands the angles to take. But... Because of the because of the fit you have on your lines with Bertuzzi, and I don't think it's been perfect there with Matthews and Marner, but I think that that's just the most natural fit. You're going to give it some time. They're going with that kid line there. Domi doesn't have a natural fit. It should be with Nylander and Tavares, but only if you're going to strictly give those guys offensive zone starts. If you're not going to do that, then he's on a checking line. Definitely not. If he's not going to do that, he's playing on the kid line with Frazier Minton. And okay, then you only give them offensive zone starts. And all of a sudden you're taking that away from Willie and JT. Very useful player, but he is the puzzle piece that doesn't seem to have uh, one that snaps into. Like everybody else on this team, the pairs make sense. The tandems make sense. And yeah, you go put Max Domi with Austin Matthews, and I bet it'll work out pretty well. But you could say that about a lot of gifted offensive players. So that's the that's the thing for me. As far as Klingberg, we've seen everything I expected to see. Yeah. Well, I should say I was a little less high on him than others offensively. We've seen that. Yeah. We also saw everything in the Chicago game. There yeah. was none of the good. I mean, a little snap it around, sure, but a lot more of the bad that you saw in that game. Yeah. That's the experience with him. And guess what? That's fine. The problem is, much like with Max Domi and much like with every other defender on the Leafs, you like Jake McCabe if he has the right partner. Mm-hmm. You love John Klingberg if he has the right partner. Morgan Riley. God, can we get Matt Hunwick back? You need a partner for him. TJ Brody's supposed to be that guy, but the Leafs have too many defensemen where, oh, you really really like that guy if he has the right partner, but none of them have it outside of Brody and even him. Longer in the tooth, slightly diminishing returns. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a puzzling fit for Domi, I'd say, up front. And then on the blue line, little as expected. Yeah, as expected, which is not good. But yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> As expected. I, and yeah, we've seen a little bit of the physicality from Max Domi, uh, especially in the, the Chicago game on Monday. Like I, I would oh, expect yeah. to see more of that. Chops, you know. hacks, all that stuff for sure. Especially yeah. going into tomorrow night. Well, this and, is it. And Saturday. Well, and, and when your ice time is like, you know, capping out at 12 minutes to make an impact, if, if it's not on the score sheet, I, I, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. Hey, why don't we come back around to revisit some of these Leaf storylines? Uh, at 7 o'clock. But when we come back, the Philadelphia Phillies continue to be must-watch the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. And uh, Merrill Kelly said before that game yesterday that it would be tough for that game to to live up to the World Baseball Classic game that he pitched in in Miami, probably regretting that choice. Take a hike, verbiage. Uh, also, whose career would you rather have, Bryce Harper or Mike Trouts, we'll discuss that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9 FM. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. Uh, just going back in uh, the old annals of uh, of time and thinking of, well, T-Bowing, 
but also Duffnering. Yes. Planking. Planking yep. was a thing for a while there. I think I think Duffner started it with like the half lazy man's plank with his like schlunk downness. No, planking was no, the I first know. thing, and then it was uh, yeah. Like I I I do think the the order of operations was planking, okay, Duffnering, okay. Tebowing, Tebowing, Tebowing. What a time. Yeah, it was quite a time. Quite a time as well for for Twitter. Who's going to start charging one dollar a year? to tweet or retweet, N- not start. Like, they've already started, apparently, in New Zealand. This what did from- they do? I, I, like, I what, Like, does he have some axe to grind down I, there? I don't know. Because I feel like there's a lot of people up here he doesn't care for all that much. And it's like, if he's picking places to just That's start true. coming for it. Yeah, why, think, why is New Zealand? What did they do to him? I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, apparently $1 a year, it started in New Zealand. Um, you can watch Twitter for free. You can observe. Um, and I, apparently this is only going to be grandfathered into new users. Okay. I understand, like, in theory, sure. it's it's to try and eliminate bots, right? And and spam off your Twitter I feed. I they could do that another way. I, I guess this is the easiest, though. Uh, I will say that there's probably... The, the list is very short of the organizations I'd rather... Um, I, I, like, as far as my credit card <laughs> right. information, right. I, got, I can't imagine... Too many other organizations I'd feel worse about giving my credit card information to than X and and Elon Musk. I know people don't carry cash anymore, but can I throw a loony at him once a month or just have a jug somewhere in the city that I could go toss it in? Yeah. Send it, yeah, via mail. Yeah, yeah. mail one loony to Elon well, I'd Musk. Be, I would be very petty about it and go to America and get pennies because we don't have them up here anymore That's and true. send him whatever the math is of pennies. You know, the internet is weird, though, because like... A hundred. Uh, <laughs> should, like, should you have to pay for certain things? Like, is it unreasonable? Well, and journalism especially, right? Like, I, I pay oh. for, for the athletic. Like, I have an athletic subscription. There's, Same here. There's certain... Um, online journalism sites that I pay for, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's unreasonable. No. I mean, you see it, you see it all the time with like important news stories. It's like, ah, it's behind the paywall. Yeah, somebody had to write it. Well, know? and and in theory, like Twitter, okay, having to pay one dollar a year does kind of make sense for a service like that. If we were all in agreement right. that it would help eradicate the 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 bots and the trolls and and the spam of it all, but we've we've gone. Down this road so far, I, it, it would just be such a shock to the system. It it does feel like that's the. Be, the I mean, we've heard for years and years and mm-hmm. years, or I, I guess a, a year since yeah. Elon Musk took over Twitter, yeah. that this was going to be the end, and everybody would migrate off it. It does feel like once you actually attach a price figure to Twitter, that is the the in fact true end of Twitter. Yeah, it feels like most things. This is a trial balloon of like, oh, I know people won't love it. But how much will they hate it? Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, do we hate it. So yeah, that's what it feels like to me, just kind of floating it out there. And yeah, uh, the the death knell for sure. I agree with you there. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies set a postseason record with 14 home runs in a four-game <laughs> span. And and speaking of things playing out, according to Hoyle, and by the way, my dad texted me uh, in the last break. Went that, to the source on that. Yeah, it's a bridge, rules for bridge, not, not blackjack. Um this this Phillies team, despite also being a wild card team and only having 90 wins, was viewed as the heavy favorite in this series against the Diamondbacks team. Is just happy to be here, yep. right? They're not even supposed to be no. here. 84 wins, lost the last four games of the regular season. Somehow, 
some way find themselves in the National League Championship Series? Yeah, it kind of looks that way mm-hmm. through two games as they get absolutely destroyed by the Phillies. 10 nothing yesterday as uh, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber hit a pair. The, the, the Phillies just continue to pile on, continue to look like the most exciting team going in in this postseason. And a large part of it is the players, no question. Like, they have guys that are capable of hitting home runs. I will also point to that ballpark mm-hmm. uh, in Philadelphia, Citizens Bank ballpark, which was rocking and continues to rock throughout uh, the last couple of postseasons as being the third most hitter-friendly ballpark when it comes to homers over the last three years and we expected Roger Center to look that way a little bit this season with the new dimensions. It looked the opposite. I, I do whatever you can, whatever you have to do to make it look like citizens bank has looked over the last three years, because that can be the end result. Yeah. I mean, you look, everyone just wants their baseball team to win. They don't particularly care what it looks like, but, but having said that, there's nothing more exciting than that particular brand of baseball of just guys who look like they're having the best time ever. Their hair's on fire. They're hitting homers. You got Schwarber doing it. You got Trey Turner doing it. Bryce Harper seems to have a moment every single time something happens. You got Castellanos who just seems like the perfect kind of animal for, for that city and go back to all the most beloved Jays teams. And, and it has been those types of things. It has been power hitters, guys who can carry your lineup. And the other thing that goes to about this is that, you know, I, I gave this theory the other day of Philly kind of having a bit of a moment. You know, I know the Eagles, they lost in the Super Bowl there, but they, they've had the success. And again, 76ers, it's not finished the way they'd like, but they have had winning teams. I think that when you're a city that is used to winning, or at least used to the idea of it, it creates a different atmosphere in the park. And I'm not blaming Toronto fans for that, but it's not lost on me that the Raptors won their championship. We then had had a pandemic and then the team didn't do anything in the two playoff series that we've seen after that. You know, the Leafs were able to finally get through, but I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the Jays here. And I do think there is an overall kind of city mindset that bleeds through to that. But in terms of park dimensions, whatever you can do to make a play that way, yes, because I think the people would love, love to see that. Who doesn't love homers? Yeah, I love homers. They're the best. I mean, somebody joked with me last night of how long, how many years long, and I don't mean seasons, actual 365 days a year long would the postseason have to be for the Jays to hit 14 homers in it? Uh, Forever long. Forever. Just infinity. If you don't hit any, yeah, Yeah, exactly. For for, forever, forever, and ever, and ever. They did score one run. People forget that, that the Blue Jays scored a run. We got to give them credit for that, Ben. It must be said. (laughs) Does it? No, it doesn't. Speaking of the Blue Jays, and you mentioned the thing that, yeah, I mean, I've thought about multiple times, even when he was hitting under 200 this season, but had a high on base percentage and was hitting a bunch of home runs, how great a fit Kyle Schwarber would have been. Boy. On this Blue Jays team. Boy, oh boy. And not that Brandon Belt was no good. Like, he was, at times, Blue Jays' best hitter mm-hmm. out of the DH slot. That's better. And, and, and no Kyle, or, you know, Kyle Schwarber means no Brandon Belt. But, yeah, Kyle Schwarber is better. Would do. Would and, do that trade he, one for one. Yeah. They would not. Fills a, a, a role for the Blue Jays. It's hard for me to believe that. Kyle Schwarber is being all that negatively impacted by the dimensions at Rogers Center. It, it doesn't matter how far the walls are when you hit it 500 feet. Yeah. So, yeah, that that, that guy would have been and, real nice. And we talked about this with Morose. We talked about it with a lot of people, the idea of these veteran leader types you bring in. And I don't think Brandon Belt was the problem there. But I don't know. Maybe it's just recency bias at stake here. Feel free to tell me if that's the case. But Schwarber just feels like one of those kind of larger 
than life figures. Like, I don't want to overstate what he is as a player. He's not Bryce Harper. He's not Mike Trout. He's not Mookie Betts. Oh. But he feels very different to me on the outside looking in, in a clubhouse than Brandon Belt does. Yeah, well, and Brandon Belt Again, is... he's not the problem. I don't want to make it about yeah. that. But if it's just a one-to-one comparison... That thing, that mm. veteran leader, that guy in the clubhouse, the player, the person you want all the other players to emulate, it does seem like Schwarber has so much of that. Yeah, I, I actually think they're kind of similar in that regard because okay, they both fair. have championship totally pedigrees. Um, yeah, and, and are right. kind he's of just lighter. He's just meaner. He's, he just he looks meaner. looks physically more played imposing. Football. Played football. Than, than, yeah, Brandon Belt. Uh, Bryce Harper notably did not hit a home run yesterday. For shame. I uh, did have a hit. So I, I I threw this out. I I, th- I might have even mentioned it the other day. No, you are just pooping on the the best guy. Yeah, I, I that there's a a straight line comparison between Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. They're, they're almost the same age. They're separated by a single year, and they they were both well. I shouldn't say that. Mike Trout was not nearly the prospect that Bryce Harper was being oh. on the cover of Sports Illustrated. What like fifteen years old? Sixteen, yeah. Um, Mike Trout was an early in round Jersey. Yeah. draft pick. But yeah, it fell down the pecking order because it, people didn't believe in the numbers he put up um, in in the Northeast of the United States. Turns out Mike Trout is one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball. Like literally, if he hung him up right now, would be on, like you could make the argument he's a top 20 baseball player, maybe a top 10 baseball player in the history of the sport. Can't make the same argument for Bryce Harper, but but here are the here are the the career achievements for both players. Three MVP awards for Mike Trout, two MVP awards for Bryce Harper, nine Silver Slugger awards for Mike Trout, two Silver Slugger awards for Bryce Harper. Um, they played almost the exact same number of regular season games. Obviously, postseason resume is a little bit different, and that's what we're going to get into mm-hmm. in comparing the two players. Home runs, Mike Trout has them. 368 to 306 RBIs. He has him three or uh, 940 to 889 uh, batting average 301 in favor of Mike Trout compared to 281 for Bryce. He has him in basically every statistical mm-hmm. category, including war where it's not even close. Yep. Mike Trout has 85.2 career war Bryce Harper, 46.2 career war. And then you get to career earnings. It's not close either. It is. I have it in front of me. Uh, to this point, Trout has made two hundred thirty-two million, uh, rounding a little bit there. Harper one seventy over the life of their deals, and Harper's deal uh, takes him through thirty-one. Yeah. Trout's takes him through thirty. Harper is set to make uh, three hundred sixty-six million, give or take a couple hundred thousand there. Uh, well, Trout is set to rake in four. 80 so another 120 million dollars i think that part matters as well okay so whose career would you rather have one guy again is going to be on the mount rushmore as far as the greatest players in the history of the sport mm-hmm. but his postseason resume is essentially non-existent it is he, i have these numbers burned into my brain yeah. one for 15 with a homer yeah he hit a home run so it's good for him um and one guy doesn't have a world series title yet has played in a world series may play in yet another this season also has the the label of being the guy that was uh, who, who notably departed the Nationals right before they won mm-hmm. their first World Series in franchise history. But, like, yeah, is is a different, differently viewed player than Mike Trout, who we know likes meteorology. Who's... I know he likes the Eagles. That's actually the only thing I know about him. I know he likes cumulonimbus. Um, 
Whose career would you rather have, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? We're all living in the moment of Harper right now, and the moments he has had trump anything Trout, I'm sure, has felt on a baseball diamond since he was 17 years old. Trout had a chance for his one moment that could have mattered this year. should probably throw that in as well at the World Baseball Classic, and then his teammate, who probably won't be his teammate anymore, told him to go sit in the truck, and I'm going to go take this thing back uh, for my country and not yours, and then I'm going to sit here and talk to you about it for the next nine months because that must have been so fun for him, but... Harper has accolades. Harper has those moments. He hasn't won anything yet. And it is, I'm not going to say far from a guarantee because yeah, I'll take the Phillies to win the world series. If you ask me my pick, that's who I would take right now, but it's far from a guarantee. He wins it. And if he is seen as the guy who can get oh so close, but never over the top, you know, it's amazing how different that will feel five, 10 years from now than it does in the moment right now. And the other part that I think has to be stated about this is that, he has yet to do it to this point. We're starting to hear rumblings of it. Mike Trout can ask for a trade. Yeah. He can ask to play for a competent baseball organization. He does not want to do that. He's been hesitant to rock the boat, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure he'd lo- I'm sure part of it, let's not overstate this, is loving his life in L.A. and nothing ever really being too stressful for him. Let's throw that out there. You know, everyone has their problems, but you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm taking Trout, because his career isn't over. He could still go have this second Bryce Harper life. And hey, there's no guarantee he ever is this guy in the playoffs because what Harper's done is amazing and it's easy to say Harper now. And $120 million. I don't think that part can be overstated as well. So Harper's the man. And it, it looks more fun to be him but whose career, whose life, whose everything, I want Trouts. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah, 120 million, even for, for guys that are going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, 120 million is 120 well, it's like a million. a fifth of their income. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a nerd, according to Sam McKee, who said anybody that chooses uh, Trout over Harper is is a, a nerd because I, I... I'll be honest, I thought Harper was just such an obvious answer. I had to take the Trout side of things. And I do believe everything I said there. And in the moment, it's more fun to be Harper. But just like, let's take a step back here. Yeah, let's let's have a look at what it looks like when both careers are are over. And and maybe Mike Trout gets to the postseason, maybe he wins a World Series. Maybe Bryce Harper doesn't win a World Series. Maybe maybe this is it. Maybe he gets to the World Series and Goes they lose. Over. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he has a very notable, yeah, over in, to- in a totally in a, possible. Yeah, in a crucial postseason game. Um I think baseball is, is such a uh, a unique sport in that the people who revere it, who understand it, understand that you, it, it is like it's team sport, but it's like an individual sport masquerading yeah. as a team sport. And you know what's honestly, when when it's all said and done, more important than winning a World Series title, it's being like, and Babe Ruth had both, uh, <laughs> is being regarded as one of the best in the history of the sport. Uh, would would Dan Marino loved to have a Super Bowl ring. There's just no doubt about it. But would you sacrifice being on the short list of of greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport to achieve that? Like maybe. Yeah, but it's I, like he wouldn't rather be Trent Dilfer. I don't mm, think. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like it's, yeah, I know that's neither too far. guy is Trent Dilfer because yeah, Bryce Harper has two MVP awards and and Mike Trout has the the three, but has a bunch of second place finishes. And again, the war. Totals are not similar between the two players and the 120 million yeah. bucks. Yeah. 
I will say, though, <laughs> Mike Trout should probably w- at least one more time before he uh, hangs him up play in a game that matters like he did at the World ba- uh, World Baseball Championship. Classic. WBC. Classic. WBC. There we yeah. go. I got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, although hey, I mentioned the 120 million bucks that's going to eventually separate these two as far as career earnings are concerned. If, if Bryce Harper, it feels like if he comes up with a key moment in a World Series run for the Phillies, he can might be ma- worth that. Yeah, yeah, he can probably make that up doing endorsements for the rest of time in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, all right, when we come back, hey, ESPN ranked the top 100 players in the NHL. Guess what? Leafs disrespected. We'll talk about it next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.